Well, now on the program, it's time for part two of chapter one of A Little Princess. Couldn't you go to that place with me, Papa? She'd asked when she was five years old. Couldn't you go to school too? I would help you with your lessons. But you will not have to stay for a very long time, little Sarah, he'd always said. You will go to a nice house where there'll be lots of little girls and you will play together. I'll send you plenty of books and you'll grow so fast that it will seem scarcely a year before you are big enough and clever enough to come back and take care of Papa. She had liked to think of that, to keep the house for her father, to ride with him and sit at the head of the table when he had dinner parties, to talk to him and read his books. That would be what she would like most in the world. And if one must go away to the place in England to attain it, she must make up her mind to go. She did not care very much for other little girls, but if she had plenty of books, she could console herself. She liked books more than anything else, and was in fact always inventing stories of beautiful things and telling them to herself. Sometimes she'd told them to her father, and he had liked them as much as she did. Well, Papa, she said softly, if we are here, I suppose, we must be resigned. He laughed at her old-fashioned speech and kissed her. He was really not at all resigned himself, though he knew he must keep that a secret. His quaint little Sarah had been a great companion to him, and he felt he should be a lonely fellow when, on his return to India, he went into his bungalow, knowing he need not expect to see the small figure in its white frock come forward to meet him. So he held her very closely in his arms, as the cab rolled into the big, dull square in which stood the house which was their destination. It was a big, dull brick house, exactly like all the others in its row, but that on the front door there shone a brass plate on which was engraved in black letters, Miss Minchin, select seminary for young ladies. Here we are, Sarah, said Captain Crewe, making his voice sound as cheerful as possible. Then he lifted her out of the cab, and they mounted the steps and rang the bell. Sarah often thought afterward that the house was somehow exactly like Miss Minchin. It was respectable and well furnished but everything in it was ugly, and the very armchairs seemed to have hard bones in them. In the hall, everything was hard and polished. Even the red cheeks of the moon face on the tall clock in the corner had a severe varnished look. The drawing room into which they were ushered was covered by a carpet with a square pattern upon it. The chairs were square, and a heavy marble timepiece stood upon the heavy marble mantel. As she sat down in one of these stiff mahogany chairs, Sarah cast one of her quick looks about her. "'I don't like it, Papa,' she said. "'But then, I dare say soldiers, even brave ones, 
don't really like going into battle. Captain Crewe laughed outright at this. He was young and full of fun, and he never tired of hearing Sarah's queer speeches. No, little Sarah, he said, what shall I do when I have no one to say solemn things to me? No one else is as solemn as you are. But why do solemn things make you laugh so? inquired Sarah. Because you are such fun when you say them, he answered, laughing still more, and then suddenly he swept her into his arms and kissed her very hard, stopping laughing all at once and looking almost as if tears had come into his eyes. It was just then that Miss Minchin entered the room.